The following is a fourth-hand production. Enjoy a tour of Philadelphia. A Philadelphia experiment. Here's a tall ship. Check out those guns. We present to you now, the Philadelphia Experiment. Now this is a story all about how some sailors got flipped, turned upside down. It's a story of how time and space got bent. I present the Philadelphia Experiment. South Philadelphia, many people say, is where the battleship Eldred spent most of its days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, conducting an experiment with electrical tool. When a couple of guys got stuck in the ship, and those that didn't get stuck got real sick. Got in one gravity field, and the Navy got scared. Said, This never happened, it's a classified affair. No one knows for sure what happened at the pier. The Navy stayed mum, and the witnesses fear. If anything, I could say the research is rare. Guess we'll never know about the classified affair. I pulled up Google Chrome to learn the battleship's fate. I yelled to the guys, I bet you have a dumb take. I looked at the research, I was finally there to never know the truth of the classified affair. Uh. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there. But you won't find it here. Welcome to Hysteria 51. Come inside our secret hideaway as we talk conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. All viewed through sceptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Hand and John Goforth. So, don't you wish that we had gotten Geno's and Pat's... (laughs) Delivered here to the hand casa. Philly sandwiches and steak sandwiches like that. I like them when you get them at the place, but when you deliver them, there's so much grease that the bag is like transparent <laughs> by the time it gets to you. Especially, especially if it was delivered from Philadelphia. <laughs> I think, well, they send that shit frozen. Like, I, you know, we've sent my dad, we used to send my dad um, Portillo's every once in a while and shit, and they'll, they'll send it frozen and then you heat it up at home. Would you, is it like separate? Would it be? Yeah, no, it's not just like a fucking frozen sandwich. <laughs> like, like, here's the cheese, the and, here's yeah, the beef, yeah, 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 and yeah. <laughs> it's just a fucking slop. It's a big uh, slop log. You got one dipped, and then they just flash freeze it. So as soon as you unthought, it's all juice running everywhere, and nasty. <laughs> slop log. That's good. slop log is my bedroom name. Uh, it's your bedroom nickname. Yeah, about that. <laughs> Welcome in Hysteria Nation to another edition of Hysteria Fifty One. My name is John Goforth. Here with me is my good friend and co-captain Brent Hand. Say hello to everybody, Brent. I think good friend might be a stretch, but we'll go with that. Hi. Oh, uh, my feelings are are. are broken over here uh and of course with us as always is conspiracy bot what's up conspiracy bot my favorite meat sacks what is up you do like sacks <laughs> uh, see what i did there he's got a type 
Oh, Brent, tonight we are not talking about Philly cheesesteaks, which is what I really thought we might have been talking about when you told me we were doing Philadelphia Experiment. <laughs> you like, like runny cheese or regular cheese? Cheese whiz, man. Yeah, cheese whiz. A Philadelphia Experiment. <laughs> I just love that. One more time. A Philadelphia Experiment. <laughs> That's our new announcer. It costs a lot of money, so we're going to use this. Hey, hit us with it again, Bob. A Philadelphia Experiment. Bob, you need to turn down your radio. <laughs> I think I can hear it in the background. There. Oh, he, wait. He, he just signaled that it's fixed now. A Philadelphia Experiment. I don't think, I don't think it's going to work it's out. It's not fixed. <laughs> oh, well. We're going to have to we're gonna have to let you go. <laughs> Conspiracy bot, take care of him. Off you go. Now that is somebody who pulls his weight around here. Conspiracy bot, you're welcome to stay the rest of the show. I do what I want. <laughs> All right, Brent, we're going to talk the Philadelphia Experiment tonight. But first, we need to talk, what are you drinking? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I just cracked open, once again, a can of Bud Light, all out of the bottles, so went back to the trusty Rusty. One might say I brought out my best. Bring out your... Hey, you're looking at me and already shaking your head, and my wife the other day goes, why'd you stop singing that song? I really like it. I was like, baby, just for you, I'll do it again. Bring out your best. I hope this gets you laid, because it's certainly not going to get us any more (laughs) listeners. (laughs) You don't know. The only thing that's ever been commented about my singing is we need more of it. More singing, more speed buggy. I, I I don't even know what to do with that. I'm I'm beside myself with you know, the singing is one thing. Speed buggy though, come the on. People know what they want, they've spoken. That's all that matters. Isn't it a misnomer to say people? That's plural. <laughs> the person who Thank took you. the time to respond Thank you. uh knew what he wanted. He at, hysteria, at hysteria at fifty one pod. That's yes, right. <laughs> So. All right, uh, I am drinking a mixed cocktail this evening of Maker's Mark and Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, I felt like I needed a little energy, um, and I also felt like I needed a little whiskey. No, oh. so you put that together, and it's a it's a beautiful concoction. I, I am a Diet Dew fan, as you know. So pretty much anything in Diet Dew, I'm in. Can't be worse than we were kids sneaking whiskey and Crystal Light. <laughs> so. One one time, um, Brent was one staying. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the the time in question, <laughs> Brent was staying over at my house, and uh, my parents weren't around, and we decided to make a big pitcher of Jack Daniels and Crystal Light because that's which what equals one fifth of of <laughs> whiskey and however much a pouch of Crystal Light it takes and to like fill up that pitcher. and you know a cup of water maybe. Maybe not even. I don't know. Um, and, you know, we sat there and, and smoked bad cigarettes and, and drank it and then decided we we're going to go around the neighborhood. I remember at one point I Goldberg speared a for sale sign on someone's lawn. Which is impressive because I don't even think Goldberg was a thing at that time. Like, he, didn't even exi- <laughs> he wasn't even a wrestler yet. So. I, I guess I'm just using that for reference. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I was just spearing things. The house didn't sell, John. I, I was ahead of my time. <laughs> was something. And then, then we went to a neighbor's house and tried to look in their window for a while. That's not creepy. <laughs> that not, that's 
not creepy at all. And the thing is, we weren't trying to be creepy. We're just wandering drunk and we saw something. We're like, oh, what are they doing in there? <laughs> Sometimes you got to look in windows, I guess. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm digging in here. Like, I, no matter what I say right now, this is only going to sound. Conspiracy what are you drinking? We're just going to jump out of this. Speaking of weird concoctions. I mixed myself up a Philadelphia mule. What is a Philadelphia mule? Philly cheese steak juice, ginger beer, and the tears of Eagles fans. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me, but it is. <laughs> well, it's the same people that threw snowballs at Santa. They deserve it. Oh, poor Santa. You can't be a jolly fat bastard likes children these days. What can you be? Hey, they, ha- they do have a new quarterback there. Hope for the future. Carson Wentz. Wince is what they're going to be doing watching Carson, I feel, but we'll see. Hey, now! Hey, if this podcast doesn't work out, SportsCenter might come calling. (laughs) So I got to tell you, when when we brought up Philadelphia Experiment, I I wasn't prepared for this. I I did a lot of research. You sound like you're still not prepared. (laughs) I just, you know what? I'm a huge Tom Hanks fan, and it was just a really sad movie, and it just bummed me out doing all this research. So, you know, like when a man loses his job just because of just because of a disease he might spit. You know what? If I ever get a bad disease, I'm calling Denzel Washington. I can't. I can't. I can't. You thought we were talking about cheesesteaks. I thought we were talking about AIDS movies. I don't know. Two things. Number one, I can't play along with the joke. (laughs) Number two, I know you wrote this a week ago. I'm guessing. And I'm still laughing my ass off and crying I just, at the same time. When I, when I looked up Philadelphia Experiment, like one of the first videos was like a scene from Philadelphia. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Conspiracy bot. On the streets of Philadelphia. <laughs> the East Street Ben is finest right there. Oh, so the real, the, boss. the real Philadelphia Experiment. <laughs> All right, so before we get into the um, to the if, what's, where's, why's, and how's, and who's, uh, I wrote, uh, that's a Dr. Seuss book as well. I was, uh, I was, I was searching for that. <laughs> Conspiracy Bot has a song that he'd like to present to us. He he pulled me a sign earlier. I don't know how I feel about this. But. Well, let's, let's, uh, it's in the style of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And John, I want you to notice when he told me he wanted to do a rap, I turned his funk up 73% for this. Oh, man, I'm excited. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. You should be. All right. Don't fake the funk on a nasty conspiracy bot. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is a story all about how some sailors got flipped, turned upside down. It's a story of how time and space got bent. I present to you now the Philadelphia Experiment. In South Philadelphia many people say, is where the battleship Eldridge spent most of its date. Chillin' out max and relaxin' all cool. Conducting an experiment with an electrical tool. When a couple of guys got stuck in the ship And those that didn't get stuck got real sick It got in one gravity field and the Navy got scared 
they said this never happened it's a classified affair. No one knows for sure what happened at the pier. The Navy stayed mum and witnesses fear. If anything I could say that research is rare. Guess we'll never know the truth of this classified affair. I pulled up Google Chrome to learn the battleship's fate. And I yelled to guys, I bet you have a dumb take. I looked at the research. I was finally there to never know the truth of the classified affair. You know, I don't know that that was written into his code, and uh, I don't know that I'm okay with it either. <laughs> He's now sentient. <laughs> he fancies himself an early 90s clean-cut rapper. That's what worries me. I mean, if he's sentient and he's going for early 90s DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Friends. DJ Jazzy Blender and the Fresh Conspiracy Bot. That That's off the cuff right there. Wait, he just you started never- dancing as you said that. <laughs> and his dancing is more just rolling back and forth. Uh, so playing off that energy, the real Philadelphia experiment. The Philadelphia experiment. Ooh, dynamic drop in there, new announcer, man. Hope he doesn't make our British announcer get jealous. Or yeah, I mean, or 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 scared for his job, and and maybe even more importantly, Conspiracy Bot does a lot of drop ins and a lot of other things for us. Conspiracy Bot, how do you feel about that? I am not above homicide if it means I keep my job. <laughs> I think you're safe. You're safe. We use you for other things, and by that I mean the thirty minutes after every show where John needs to have private time with you. I don't think you're going anywhere. I'm just trying to change that programming around. <laughs> He keeps telling me he can turn my software into hardware. I am not sure if he is a dirty robo-perv or just an idiot. <laughs> All right. Philadelphia Experiment. The Philadelphia Experiment. Woo! That's high quality right there. So. And it's it's not. Yo, a cheesesteak. Now, this is the real deal. No, none of that. And no, uh, no Philadelphia crying uh, sad movies either. <laughs> crying movies? Yeah. <laughs> It's a story about a person dying of AIDS, and you're making fun of it. I'm not. I said it. It's not a sad movie. Well, I mean, well, that, it is a sad movie. More people uh, supposedly died during the Philadelphia experiment than they did in the movie Philadelphia. Oh God! So, say what you will. I'm trying to respect the dead, supposed dead. Okay, moving on. All right, Brett, all right. What, what what is the Philadelphia so experiment? This is kind of what's believed versus the official report, just kind of a rundown. Conspiracy theorists claim that on August twelfth, nineteen forty-three, or October twenty-eighth, nineteen forty-three, accounts differ as they tend to do in conspiracy theories. Uh, the U.S. Navy conducted. Yeah, I mean, because it's it's hard to track where a a, a large battleship who is keeps, in any given time. Who keeps track of that kind of shit? I mean, not me. Not me. <laughs> the U.S. Navy conducted a test of some sort on the USS Eldridge, which was a destroyer escort, at the Philadelphia Navy Yard. And by destro- destroyer escort, we mean large battleship. What a destroyer escort was, was when they would the destroyers would sail, they were very susceptible to submarines because they were slow. They U-boats. Were, they were not maneuverable at all. They came up with this destroyer escort, 
It was actually slower, but it was more maneuverable, and it could outmaneuver the U-boats and provide coverage. This fucker can turn on a dime! (laughs) At a pecker slow pace. Whatever the fucking, I don't know what a naval term is. Well done. Pecker, pecker slow. Pecker slow pace. <laughs> that was my admiral. Pecker slow pace. The only naval term I ever know or ever used is. Uh, Not in my butthole, admiral. Whenever. <laughs> it seems like something you've said once or twice in your life. This whole fucking thing. <laughs> whenever, uh, whenever I'm trying to describe something that that moves very slowly, um, I say it's like turning a barge. And then when it gets finished, I say we did it, but it took an act of Congress. So those are my uh, those those are my euphemisms for things taking a long time. One of which is somewhat um, naval based. Aquarian. That's a dynamic drop-in. You've really brought a lot to the show. I just Quit calling things dynamic drop-ins. I'm a co-host. I'm not dropping in. I'm here. <laughs> I'm going to be here whether you like it or not. That was a dynamic co-hosting event right there, and I just want to let you know you've brought a lot to the show. A Philadelphia experiment. <laughs> so this is my favorite part. They say, uh, <laughs> I have many favorite parts. I'm going to probably say that like nine or ten times. The exact nature of this test is open to speculation. <laughs> <laughs> Possible tests include experiments in magnetic invisibility, radar invisibility, optical invisibility, or degaussing. Hold on. Before you move on, it's just like when you watch the the ancient aliens. They say, this, this, and this are, are thought to not be possible. But ancient alien theorists believe... Ancient alien theorists theorize that... In other words, here's the truth... But here's what our panelists say so we can have a show. <laughs> yeah, this is what we're going to say so that you're going to watch. Right. <laughs> I'm going to spike my hair straight up and go, aliens. <laughs> Sukalos. <laughs> that's, that's a drop in real quick that we need. Like, Sukalos. <laughs> can we get him saying it? Can we have it? Can we have him on the show? Uh, probably not. And probably not. Okay. That's a two for no. All right. No, appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, so going back to degaussing was rendering the ship immune to magnetic mines. The tests or tests were conducted only to produce un. the tests were conducted only to produce undesirable results. Afterwards, a project supposedly called Project Rainbow was canceled. So, so uh, stopping there for a second. And I think I think this is an important part. I, I read about this whole thing and um before we get into what is true and what what isn't true, one thing that we know is true is that the Navy at certain points did test the degaussing um, um, uh, process. And I, I, I'm not saying it happened at the Philadelphia Naval Yard. Degaussing, but yeah. De- oh, sorry. Uh, I have a degaussing coil in the other room. If you'd like to see it, I use it for arcade repair. <laughs> is that what I'm you, that cool of a guy. Is that what you tell the 16-year-olds? <laughs> <laughs> Want to see my degaussing coil? I use it for arcade repair. <laughs> I have an arcade. Um, but let, let me, let's talk about what that's for. So if you degauss a um, – actually, if you, you've actually probably used it if you're over the age of like 35. If you had an old uh, CRT TV – um, yep. you would have to hit that button sometimes to kind of like reset the picture. Sometimes yep. the, the electrons get all screwy. Basically, 
that's that's that that's rainbow my, in the corner uh you can get rid of it with a big magnet that's my technical yeah. term for it or if you're six thousand years old and ever wrapped a mummy wrong you might have had to degauze that also and start over which was just a horrible horrible day hey now <laughs> reptile wins <laughs> so what the process did in a ship is fairly simple the reason I bring Degazing up is because they were actually, this is one thing that's actually provable they were doing to ships. They were putting these large coils, electromagnetically charging the hulls of ships so that mines from the bottom of the sea could not attract, German mines could not magnetically attract to the bottom of these ships. Uh, the the Degazing uh, process basically flipped all the electrons around so it was no longer magnetic. That was my point. Or its magnetic uh, signature was off from where the ship actually is, so then it doesn't um, it doesn't attract the mines. To That's it. not what I read, and therefore it's not true. Um, we can talk to John Smigo. I talked to him because he was on a in the Navy on a minesweeper, one of my buddies, and I talked to him about this episode. But we all know that they that they teach the worker bees the things that are wrong, <laughs> right? Tinfoil hat guy. <laughs> I mean, you're the one who thinks that. Uh, except for you know, I'm the only one who actually talked to the fucking U.S. Navy for this episode. The worker bee from the U.S. Navy. We're all worker bees. The president's a worker bee. Where does it stop? Oh, he's like a worker anole or, or iguana. Yeah. <laughs> so the U.S. Navy maintains that no such experiment was ever conducted and that the details of the story contradict well-established facts about the U.S. Eldridge and that the alleged claims do not conform to known physical laws. <laughs> like, not only no, no, and uh, God decided no also. <laughs> Like, that's a hell of a no. We're sorry, but this breaks laws of physics, and uh, we have paperwork that says no. It's kind of what they're saying. So we know that they're claiming that there was a, a test going on. You, you took us through some of that. What actually was it? What they say is that the test being conducted was an attempt to render a ship invisible to enemy radar. And, that when, way, we say, and when we say they, we mean... The U.S. Navy was trying to... No, no. Uh, what they say, uh, conspiracy theorists. They say is, with big air quotes, the um, five or six people that still are holding on to this, uh, <laughs> hoping to make Philadelphia Experiment 3. <laughs> you know? uh, they said it was accomplished by... Gotta go back in time! This was to be accomplished by wrapping an electromagnetic bottle around the ship in question, absorbing or deflecting radar waves. Uh, now, here again, accounts differ. The bottle was created by two or four. I don't uh, even understand the term bottle. Well, yeah, I would say bubble, but they just use the term bobble. Maybe, uh, maybe they meant bubble and they're just calling it a bobble. I don't know. You know what? We're going to switch it and just call it a bubble. Does that make you happier? Yes, a little bit. Oh, yeah. I always the way the way they described it, I always imagine just like a big fucking wire wrapped around the hole. <laughs> no, the bottle is like the the thing around it. They're saying calling up. So the bubble was created by two or four massive Tesla coils, which acted as electromagnetic generators. One was mounted forward, and one was mounting aft. Uh, other accounts state that a series of magnetic generators of a magnetic generators called degazers were used when activated. The electromagnetic field would extend out from the ship, a bubble or a bottle and divert radar waves around the ship, making the Eldridge invisible to radar receivers. So they're just saying the bottle or the bubble they're saying is like the, the bubble. So the electromagnetic around. field is what they're calling a bottle. 
Yeah. Got it. It's putting the ship in a bottle so that, you know, I know it's fucking stupid. (laughs) But But hey, it was the 40s. People called stupid things stupid shit. So they they claim that when the actual test was put into motion, a number of unexpected and bizarre side effects occurred. As the electromagnetic field increased in strength, it began to extend as far as 100 yards out from the ship in all directions, forming a large sphere, or one might call bubble. Within this field, the ship became fuzzy and indistinct, and a greenish haze formed around the vessel, one might call a... St. Elmo's Fire? Conspiracy bot! Oh, oh man uh, every week we need to do something where a supposed saint elmo's fire happens please <laughs> because i love that song i'm gonna tell you that's right the now. only reason <laughs> and the saint elmo's fire obscured the the ship from view Eventually, the only visible object was the outline of the hull of the Eldridge, where it entered the water. Then, to the amazement of onlookers, the entire ship vanished from view. Like, fucking, all there was was ripples in the water and David Blaine doing that stupid fucking stare look. <laughs> oh, now, Admiral, if you'll look in your back pocket. Oh, oh it's the ship! <laughs> and the flowers are still standing. <laughs> It was at this point, the vanishing of the Eldridge, uh, that the true power of electromagnetic field that had been created was revealed. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. When we say the onlookers, when we say the witnesses, um, and I know we'll get into the actual witnesses later, who was there and who wasn't, wouldn't there have been, I don't know, uh, casualty witnesses and what i mean by that is uh, that's not the right way to say it wouldn't there have been accidental other witnesses i mean there wasn't like a 30 foot tall fence around no and that's philadelphia naval shipyard people that saw it that's some of the people that talk about it like right the the people on other ships the few people that will say saw it but i'm talking about random guy on the street like like think about uh, you know like actually if you if you go to the philadelphia navy yard it's called now or naval shipyard Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of like Navy Pier. It's a, it's a tourist attraction, um, you know, nowadays in Philadelphia, where would they hide this where there wouldn't have been hundreds of people around to just notice, Hey, look, that large ship just disappeared. Well, it was 1943 and we just trusted our government. They said nothing to see here and no one looked. (laughs) You lucky lose. Nothing to see here. You lucky lose. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's one of those things where that's probably why. I hope I'm not telling tales out of school here, John. This isn't fucking true. <laughs> like maybe that has something to do with this. I hope I'm hope I'm not spoiling the ending yet. <laughs> <laughs> the Eldridge had not only vanished from the view of observers in Philadelphia, it had vanished from Philadelphia altogether. The ship had been instantly transported several hundred miles from Philadelphia to Norfolk, Virginia. The Philadelphia experiment. <laughs> After a few minutes, the ship once more vanished to return to Philadelphia. Well, you know what they needed. Yo, a cheesesteak! Now, this is the real deal! And then no one had been upset. Like, if it just appeared, they started throwing <laughs> cheesesteaks overboard. Like, it just been the, it would have been called the Philadelphia Thank You. No, I'm saying that's why they came back. They needed a cheesesteak. They're like, we can't get a fucking cheesesteak in Virginia. You know what we you can't get in Virginia? The clap. Probably at that <laughs> naval base. And I don't know what about, probably, Probably 
I'm out of jokes. Just the clap. <laughs> From our forefathers. <laughs> You can hook up with four guys if you want. I, I'd rather get it from some some lot lizard or or, or naval blot lizard. <laughs> blot lizard. You've never heard the term oh, lot lizard. Blot, <laughs> blot lizard. Album. Uh, obviously, you haven't continued your reptilian studies. I'm a blot lizard. Reptile wings. <laughs> I type that back. Are they on blotter acid? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Oh my god! Uh, I'm Brian Fellows. He was there. So the Navy tests had succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. Not only had they rendered a ship invisible to radar, they'd made it optically invisible as well. Not to mention causing the vessel to teleport hundreds of miles in a matter of minutes. For the crew, however, the trip had been a nightmare. So before we get into why it was a nightmare, I want to I want to make sure I understand so far. We've got this ship. It's in the middle of uh, the the naval shipyard in Philadelphia. We wrap the insides in a bunch of coil, essentially. Maybe or maybe not. And we overcharge the living shit out of it. And as a result, uh, green flames appear. The The ship itself disappears, reappears hundreds of miles away in Norfolk, Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia. And then transports back to said naval shipyard in Philadelphia with maybe or maybe not cheesesteaks. Is that accurate so far? All within the matter of minutes. So the onlookers say. And this was all based on a test the Navy wanted to run to see if we could just didn't want to get. Yeah, just didn't want to get seen by U-boats to see if we could make it. Okay, so there's different reports on this. I read a little bit about it. A little bit. Uh, some people say we were, we were just trying to uh, not be visible to radar. And the whole disappearing thing was like a, you know, a, a side uh, a side effect. Uh, other people say, oh, well, of course, we were trying to, to do all of this. We were stuff. working with Einstein and he had... You know, yeah, he the, said maybe this had happened, and they're like, "Fuck it, the, give the it a unified shot. theory, the unified theory of everything, yeah, or, which, or whatever it's called, which says uh, E equals MC boat in Norfolk, Virginia square." We're going to erase that joke because it's not funny. <laughs> no, you got to leave it in right now. <laughs> I wish I was editing this episode. So yeah, it's just it's one of those things where like you know. Anyone throws around uh, Einstein's name, it's got to be true. So, so so far we've got a ship that might or might not have disappeared for one of many reasons. Now it's back, and what happened? Supposedly, horrible, horrible things happened to the crew that were on the ship. So they said they were working with a skeleton crew. You, you said they got the clap in Virginia. Yes, right? they came back. They were all you know just stewing with diseases. Uh, on top of that, it was like college. Some of the 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 people on board only thing that happened was they were physically ill. Some of the people on board were driven were driven insane and had to be institutionalized. Then others still, the third set, were fused molecularly to the hull, to the to the, the ship's deck, and were dead or dying of said fusing wounds and things like that. People are just screaming, kill me. So if kill you're, me. So if you're having a hard time imagining this, think about a transporter in Star Trek.
imagine imagine being transported from more, you know the no, I would say more like Jeff Goldblum in the fly. Well, like shit just didn't go back together the way it was supposed to. Well, no, but but they were it. it it's not like their eyes were in their ass. I mean, there we don't know. What, what, Some of the people never reappeared. They well, just we don't vanished. know because it depends on somewhere who they're in this. that they're in the lower fourth dimension with their eyeballs in their ass. Going, someone kill me! Someone kill me! It, it, we don't know because it depends on who was telling this fake fucking story. But the point is that the way that it's described and the things in which I read was uh, semen were stuck in the hull of the ship. So. Uh, try to finish my point they imagine being transported from start in star trek and then transported in between decks of a ship so half of you is on one side half of you is on the other and the rest of you has metal running through you that would not feel good and you would die quickly yeah and i said some of the men were entered into what they call a freeze where like for a while they would just like be there and not be there they were they were popping in and out of 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 thin air. As you read accounts of this, didn't you feel like every time something got added on, whoever wrote that one yeah. was like, hey, and let's... then, yeah, right, <laughs> and then <laughs> throw in an and then, yes, yeah, no and then, <laughs> no and then. Uh, so it said initially the freeze only lasted a few minutes to a few hours, but some people it lasted forever supposedly, and they were disposed of. Oh, and 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 they could. There was lots of different things. They could phase in and out of reality. They also... And the um, longer it lasted, they called it the deep freeze. Ooh. ooh. And if you're having a hard time getting out of the deep freeze, other people... Uh, if you phased out of reality, other people that had been on the ship could see you. And if they placed their hands on you, they could bring you back. Yep. The problem is that one time they put too many hands on somebody, and guess what happens? We start a campfire. Yeah, they fucking bursted into flames, and it said that they burnt for 18 days despite all attempts to quench to quench the fire. <laughs> but they never say whether the person was still alive during those 18 days. Yeah, like, days. and then after 18 days, he's like, just kidding. <laughs> like he's or, like or flame on <laughs> <laughs> human torch did he or did he die in the first you know five minutes or and then, so and it's just a, it was fucking, just a carcass yeah it's just like that that fucking, hey, you smell barbecue yeah <laughs> i smell barbecue you'd think there'd be more details <laughs> so it's a you know seeing all these horrible effects the navy discontinued all further research into radar and optical invisibility Surviving crewmen were discharged as mentally unfit for duty, and many were placed in insane asylums, as I stated. Uh, I will tell you right now. Tell me, Brent. If you wrapped a ship in something and it went invisible and all that horrible shit happened, the U.S. government would have said, well, that was terrible. Do it again. <laughs> there is no way. We do it, not only do it again, double the amount of people on the ship. Yeah, or, or add some steers and pigs and shit. You know, it said that the reason that the ones that were oh, you're kind, I... the, the ones that refused the whole, the reason that they refused and a lot of this happened is because when they turned the shit on, they decided to walk through walls because they could walk through walls. And then when That's it turned fun. off, then when it turned off, they did it to themselves is what I'm getting at. It's all their fault. Well, and the reason they were the rest of them were declared insane was so that they couldn't, you know, tell other people what right. had happened. Right. Mama don't like tattletales. <laughs> I mean, it's true. So 
we're going to go to break real quick. When we come back, we're going to tell you where this fuckload of a story came from and uh, how it got out. So stay tuned for more Hysteria 51. This whole fucking thing. Hola, David and me. I'm a Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan, 
for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Welcome back to Hysteria 51. So, hope everybody took their pee break. <laughs> I know I did. And I, I, didn't even leave my, I didn't even leave my seat. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> yeah, I can always tell when you're relieving yourself one way or the other. You get this glazed over look on your face. <laughs> just Normally, that, I think you I get that thousand-yard stare. Yeah, yeah. Normally, I think you're just breaking wind, but uh, the, the puddle breaking tells me. Breaking wind. Did you break wind? <laughs> it's like, like it's 19th century <laughs> England. Me, did you break did wind? Did you break wind? <laughs> so almost as fun, probably more fun than the, even the story, is how this fucking shit got out. Like, it's an interesting tale on and of its own. There's actually probably more interesting to me than the actual story. I mean, would you even would you say got out or would you say got invented? That's a that will have to leave up to our listeners, John. Hmm. Circa 1955, a man by the name of Morris K. Jessup, not to be confused with Daniel Jazz Hands Jessup <laughs> of Chicago Fire fame and Hysteria 51 podcast fame. Uh, and another future guest. He'll be back. Oh, what episode's he going to be on, John? He might have already been on it. Uh, he'll be on the time travel episode. So oh. I'm not sure w- if we've already recorded that. Uh, we'll be recording that. Because <laughs> it's, I, I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you. I see. So Mr. Mr. Jessup, an astronomer and former graduate level researcher, published The Case of UFO, which was just a book early on. I, I This is kind of... This guy was kind of like one of those pioneers into the foray of of not your pulp fiction uh, novels on on science fiction and shit like that. He was taking he was trying to take the UFO phenomenon seriously. All right, everybody, sit back, relax, let Uncle John tell you a tale. <laughs> I really like Morris K. Jessup. I think the guy was full of shit, but I like where his head's at. Um, I actually like where the, the this whole story's head is at. It's not uh, something popped out of the ether and 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 you know like a ghost or a goblin or a, you know a, a you know a, a little green man. I mean, we're talking about the manipulation of physics. We're talking about the manipulation of electromagnetics and gravity and like all these things that while. Uh, uh, technically aren't possible right now you could see how like man you know if we were just one step away if we just understood just a little bit more maybe it could happen and that's what Jess that was the point Jessup was kind of making in his book well, yeah, he uh, the at, case for the UFO he looked at all these UFO accounts and, right. and said okay everyone is saying that they're doing x y and z well let's look at them and say okay these aren't fake these are real how would you do that and he hypothesized well it would probably have to be electromagnetism uh would right. be observable and, and for the like the observed flights and mannerisms that they make i like that thinking i basically do. everything that you know of star trek the vestiges of the that thought process is kind of what morris k jessup was talking about we would basically he was saying here's what we wouldn't do 
We wouldn't take a big stick of dynamite, put it under a tin can, and shoot it to the moon. Yeah, he thought rockets That's were fucking st- bullshit. Stupid way of doing he, it. He, he thought <laughs> rockets were the wrong way, and we should be we should be looking into Einstein's unified field and theory. And that's an actual. And- this is true. And yeah. that's an actual thing I can get behind. Now, while I understand that that's the only way that we currently know, uh, well, the, uh, the royal we, <laughs> like the, 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 the wheat. Well, that's the only way that has been released to us, I should say, that yeah. we know how to get there. So I, I, I get that that's why, why we use the propulsion systems we do. Mm-hmm. But I really am a believer that, that sooner rather than later, we're going to start using Exotic, <laughs> yeah. Whether systems. it's quantum physics, whether it's gravitational, I mean, one of these element one fifteen, element one fifteen, uh, a nineteen eighty Honda CRX. I mean, one of these many things. <laughs> no matter what we're, I mean, n- number one, made in Germany. You know, the Germans always make good stuff. <laughs> that's where it'll be made. But <laughs> you, you, I do believe that that's like the wave. <laughs> See what I did there of the future. Like, that's how we will go further than the moon. That's how we might go to Mars. I I understand that we already have plans to go to Mars with our basic blah, 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 blah. I'm the guy. I'm, I'm the skeptic here. I always am the skeptic. But I really do believe that that's the way that we might eventually do it. So that's kind of what Jessup was talking about from the beginning. So on that, no, I can get behind him. There's nothing wrong. I, I, he's not a kook at all. I don't. I don't. I, I'm with him. Um. He published this book, you know, uh, the, the case for the UFO. Good for him. He was trying to say, well, you know what? We're going to look at this from a scientific, from a scientific standpoint instead of a fuck you, you didn't see that standpoint and try to figure out how it was. And hey, God bless him. I actually, I actually read through part of the book. When he says scientific, he does put it in quotes. Yeah. Like no, he's admitting because he's, he's going off of stuff that isn't true then, but he was hoping literally that Albert Einstein was going to prove him right. With his unified field theory, which just, you know, didn't so much happen. The theory of everything. Oh, what a fun movie. My wife cried through the trailer. (laughs) I am in for it now. (laughs) So back in January of 55, old uh, not jazz hands Jessup received a letter from a man who identified himself as Carlos Allende. In the letter, Ayande informed Jessup of the Philadelphia experiment, alluding to two poorly sourced contemporary news articles as proof. Ayande directly responded to Jessup's call for research on the unified field theory, which he referred to as UFT. Uh, according to Carlos, Einstein had developed the theory but had suppressed it since mankind was not ready for it. That's always the, the answer to everything. We have it. You're just not ready. This is kind of like your parents, because I said so. So Einstein came up came up with the atom bomb, and, and yeah, you guys are ready for that. But this whole <laughs> UFT thing, no way. Allegedly, he shared this with ma- mathematician and philosopher Bertrand Russell. Uh, Ayande also said that he had witnessed the Eldridge... Which, by the way, if you're Russell, like, how the fuck did I get drugged into this thing? You're <laughs> right. Like, you're sitting home eating dinner with your wife. You get a call like, hey, uh, tell us Carlos Ayande. Um... I've never been to Mexico. Yeah, like, uh, is that the guy <laughs> who works at the gas station? Like, I don't know who the fuck that is. Carlos also said that he he personally had witnessed the Eldridge appear and disappear while serving aboard the SS. I don't know how to say this. Andrew Furiseth. 
Furuseth? Uh, Furuseth, whatever. Furuz- I- the, oh, the USS Furusa book. <laughs> <laughs> so he's on the Furusa book. So, so here's my first question. Apparently this was really a ship. When did we just start naming ships after random fucking people? I understand that he was like a hero of like maritime sailors well, in the 1800s like or something. that sounds like a really good name to name a ship then when you have literally tens of thousands of them. Like, what's the next one? Uh, I have no fucking clue because we've already named them every important person. Go to the row 94 of maritime. What'd this guy do? He saved a shark from drowning. <laughs> Damn it! Give him a ship name. I don't know. It's it's kind of like uh, when we were growing up, we had Casimir um, Pulaski Day. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I mean, how is everyone going to get a day? Are you are you upset because you had like days off school? Were you? Did you just you wanted to be there to study more? No, I wanted to get into the summer sooner. I don't, I don't like going to school until June. Yeah, and you know who does the blame? That damn Casimir Pulaski. You know what? Yep. You should probably, you should Him probably and Obama. start a movement. Him and Obama. Thanks a lot, Obama. Thanks, Obama. So supposedly he's on this merchant ship, oh, Carlos. Uh, and he also named other crew members with whom he served aboard the uh, SS Andrew Ferusith Frusabulk. Claimed to know the fate of yeah, some so, of the it crew was such members. A, it was so well named that you can't pronounce it. You know, just because you're a hero doesn't mean you have a... Not everyone's going to be like, oh, my savior bob smith like every once in a while you're gonna have a few consonants and a vowel in odd places we'd like to thank all the members of our uh of our navy the the gallant members of the uss missouri uh thank you for your 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 time and and your service uh the valiant members of the uss roosevelt uh you're amazing uh thank you uh and then of course the the yeoman like work that the the members of the Andrew first did uh, <laughs> uh, well done. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to turn the podcast off now, we will understand. <laughs> that is not the worst joke that's been made on this podcast. <laughs> so this guy's selling all this bullshit to Mr. Jessup. Jessup's like, man, even Jessup was like, this motherfucker's crazy. So, so in the I'm f- going to stop talking to right. him. You know things are bad for you when a ufologist in the 1950s goes, you know what? You don't seem that credible to me. I'm going to go ahead and cut off communication. So Jessup did respond to him, and it takes months for this guy to get back. Wait. And when he does respond, it comes from Wait. Carl Allen. Well, hold on. Hold on. Before you get to Carl Allen, I love this. So he had sent Jessup letter after letter after letter after letter. You can read them online, mm-hmm. and and they're they're pages. They're all, yeah, they're all published, and they're pages long. <laughs> Jessup responds in the most awesome troll way possible. A fucking postcard. Postcard. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Jazz Hands, hope you're doing well. The coast has been fun. Carl Allen. Oops. <laughs> Hugs and kisses. Yeah. And every time that he did write, though, he always put his service number on the card, too, or the pa- the paper, anything. Yeah, because he was a uh, merchant, marine. Is merchant that, marine. Is that accurate? It's like a normal marine, but you do a lot of shopping is is the big difference. Oh, do you shop for like uh, collapsible um, Bup tents and 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 collapsible shovels and yeah. MREs? Just anything that's collapsible. We could have used this. That's this, right. We, we should have got a merchant a couple marine weeks for ago. another episode. There you go. 
So <laughs> Allen now, Carl Allen, the guy responds as Carl Allen, so that he could not provide the details for which Jessup was asking, but he implied that he might be able to recall some by means of hypnosis. Right then and there, Jessup's like, boom, I'm out. I'm no longer going to talk. I also to read an account Dumb. where not only did he ask for hypnosis, but that it might need to be a drug induced hypnosis. You know, th- those are the best ones. You're right. So, so in other words, he was just a drug seeker. So now this is another thing that's according to, but according to 2002, but do we even need a preface with that anymore? Yeah, because <laughs> no, you do because the, the Jessup stuff that we've told now is true. Like, well, he wrote a book. Yes. He wrote a book. He published the letters that he wrote to this guy, like Carl Allen, Carlos Allende did write to him. That's 100% true. Oh, you just spoilered. Uh-oh. So, All over well, yourself. No, we just said he, he said he, he Carl Allen, Carlos Allende. So in a 2002 book uh, by a guy named James Morsley and Carl, and I can only think this man is Russian because his name, last name is P-Flock, P-F-L-O-C-K, Flock, Flock. Well, based on every joke you've ever made on this podcast, obviously it's just Flock. <laughs> So night early 57, Jessup was contacted by the Office of Naval Research in Washington, D.C., uh, and they want to talk to him about a copy of his book that they received in the mail. His Did book. Bob Lazar work for that office? Uh, Bob Lazar probably wasn't born then, so we're going to say yes, because maybe he's a time traveler. Fair enough. We'll touch on that in our time traveling episode, if we ever do it. Or maybe we already have. Uh-oh. The Office of Naval Research says they got a envelope and no return address. In it was a copy of Jessup's book, A Case for the UFO. On the back, it's just scrawled across the envelope, Happy Easter. And they open it up, and there is in every margin of this book. And it's weird. There's also a Harry and David basket. They, they wanted to wish him a happy Easter. I don't know. <laughs> about that? The, uh, the Navy opens up the envelope. There's the copy of the book. I think I've said this like nine times. They open up the envelope. There's a copy of the book. And in all the margins, someone in pink ink, in pink ink had written scores and scores of shit. Like, you know, they're, they're breaking down margin notes. Yeah. But not notes as in like it was written as if the person writing it was an extraterrestrial reading the book and correcting it. Like, no, that didn't really happen, but this did. Or really, this is using, um, gravitational field theory and they're off by a decimal point here. And, and, blah, blah. and, and, and from what I read, there were three different supposedly three distinct handwritings like three no no and, and and colors of ink they're all shades of pink i believe is what they said well see i read something different that said Uh-oh. they weren't that they were different colors of ink one was a light shade of pink oh. and and they even said it probably wasn't pink it was probably red but faded okay all right so it's funny that we're actually debating the colors of ink on a on a uh, on a tome that was written on by by supposed extraterrestrials because you know they've got big pens um <laughs> and they write in english yeah <laughs> you know um go ahead so they get this book and they, they the u.s navy contacts jessup and they're like what the fuck is this like what's going on here and he's like well i don't know let me i guess let me see this so he inspects the book and he goes wait a minute I know this fucking handwriting. This is this weird motherfucker, Car- Carlos Ayande, who who was writing me. And uh, they're like, what? And so he gives them copies of the letters. 
And it's definitely at least one of the handwritings is Carlos Allende. So I I decided to Google it and everything is is on the Internet. It's a wonderful thing. If you haven't tried it, I, I highly suggest it. Um, got to read. Uh, well, I didn't read it in its entirety because it's hundreds of pages long and almost all the pages have those margin notes in various in, in and they actually delineate in the version that you're talking about. This margin note was the one in this color. This margin note was the one in this color. Mm-hmm. I, you're, you're, I think you're giving it a little too much credence to say, you know, uh, to make it sound credible where like, yeah, they, they were just a margin point off here. I mean, the guy sounds batshit crazy. Whoever wrote it, like, uh, so first off, um, things are weirdly spelled, uh, consistently weirdly spelled. And punctuations, weird use of capital and letters. And weird use of capital letters. Um, I actually uh, 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 took an excerpt. Um, okay, so so there's a regular just paragraph about uh, uh, how you group groups of UFOs just uh, from the original Jessup book. And, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a note under it that says, such contempt for those badly frightened or strictly orthodox namby-pamby scientists. The shade of Galileo walks again in the name of better science. Will he arouse and enlighten as before? All of these notes are like that. They literally... The, the, I, the script to a bad porno? <laughs> I As I read the, the, for lack of a better term, liner notes, I felt myself getting sucked into craziness. I mean, it is batshit lunacy. That's because Carlos Allende was batshit fucking crazy. That's the medical term. That is the medical term. So the Navy stays in contact with, with uh, Jessup, and they tell him that, A, the, the return address that they, they'd gotten from anything and, and off of him was an abandoned farmhouse. So Jessup clings on to this a little bit. He tries to make a living off this. Hey, this motherfucker wrote me. He's talking about this thing, this Philadelphia experiment. He sent the Navy my book, wrote all this shit inside The Navy's it. interested? Yeah. I'm going to go on a fucking tangent writing about this and, and talking about this to anyone that'll listen. And he made a living for a couple of years living off the, the, the book liner notes on his own book because the Navy had, had contacted him until uh, reportedly it, it's like his it's like his crazy wasn't crazy enough if you had a chance to listen to our reptilians episode where we talk about David Ike and David Ike is so much crazier than this Jessup dude but he he I mean, he goes on multinational tours and fills auditoriums with it. Because it, and now people are really into that shit. So reportedly, he contacts some of the people in the know. And on April 21st, 1959, he's going to come forward with new information that he's found about this. Yeah, he called a buddy and said, hey, listen, I've got a breakthrough in this case. I want to come share it with you. That, so he's going to share it on the 21st. And on April 20th, 1959, he's found dead in his car, or at least asphyxiated in his car. He'd rent a hose. He's found dying. Dying, yeah. 
dying. He's a hose ran from his tailpipe into his car. He's still breathing when they get him out. Uh, he soon succumbs to, you know, inhalation dead. And people are like, Oh shit. Smoking gun. Uh, they 86, this guy, well, his own daughter, when they asked him, they called and they said, uh, Hey, your, your dad's dead. She said, Hmm. How'd he do it? Yeah. So apparently, uh, Mr. Jessup, once again, not jazz hands, while he had sold his first book, had tried to sell multiple, uh, or, well, he had sold his second book. It failed miserably, tried to sell multiple follow-ups to the publishing house. They said, no, he, in, in the interim, got a divorce. Things were going bad in his personal life. People said that he was somewhat depressed. Now, uh, on the flip side of that coin, if, if you, are want to believe in conspiracies. Those are always the stories they tell about you right before they off you. Right. Of course. Supposedly this Jessup guy was trying and trying and trying and never could track down any Carlos Allende or Carl Allen. Well, then you go to this guy by the name of Robert Gorman and uh, just so happens that he grew up in the same town that allegedly. And let's not forget. He has a sweet fucking mustache. He does. He does. Like, I'm sure that the videos that we watched of him were from 15 years ago, but I I hope he looks the same. I feel like it would dance for you like a French girl. (laughs) Not for you, just for me, is what you're saying. I fell on. So he's a writer in Fate Magazine. Um, One of those people, he was was a man in the know with the UFO subculture in the 70s and 80s. He latches onto this story because he's like, well, fuck, if anyone's going to get to the bottom of this, it's me because I live in the same quote unquote hometown as uh, Carl Allen or Carlos Allende. The, the, the great the great way that this stuff works is the way he tells the story is he was going to get to the bottom of it somehow, some way. Well, and it just fu- turned out that his family friend, his family friend was, was the fr- father of Carlos Ayande or which is Carl Allen. There is, is no Carl yeah, pseudonym yeah. for uh, Carl Allen. And so he's talking to the family and, the, and they're kind of like, would you get a book from him? Like, well, yeah, he sent it to him. Yeah. He's one of those things where he loves to write crazy shit in the margins and then just mail it to random people and celebrities and all this shit. And they're like, well, he mailed one to the, the office of Naval intelligence or, or whatever. And the, ret- what? and the return address he mailed one to the Navy and the return address was this random abandoned farmhouse near here. They're like, Oh yeah, he loves to do that shit. It, it was just one of those. <laughs> and we own that farmhouse. It was just one of those weird fucking things. He mailed it to the Navy. The Navy said, well, this book belongs to Jessup. They contacted Jessup. Jessup's like, I know that handwriting. Cause the same kooky motherfuckers writing to me. It was all debunked, like literally. And the, Carl Allen made every stitch of this up. And the and the Navy guys that that were chasing this thing down probably overchased a little, as they stated. Yeah, they were just like, "Oh, what's going on?" Blah 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 blah. Absolutely. I mean, by them chasing it, they gave it credence, and they probably shouldn't. And that's exactly what they said. And then all these other people, and so Gorman, who has been in the UFO circles forever finds out that this whole oh, thing, is that true i didn't know that I, well, no he wrote for ufo magazine everything oh so no, big time so before UFOs. the philadelphia Since experiment he was like 16 years he's old a, he's a he was he's one of those guys absolutely okay. absolutely he was i didn't know that it. yeah so he said he wrote on tons of subjects for different 
at that time, print magazines and, 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 and different journals and things. There was no internet in like we have in 1980. Well, that, goes, that you know of. <laughs> hmm. So he said he reaches out to all these people and he's like, Hey, I hate to, uh, burst your bubble, but like I, I found Carlos Allende. It's really Carl Allen. And they're like, yeah, not interested. He's like, no, but like I, I've literally disproved this. You've ran like 19 articles of mine. I, I want to do this follow up. You know, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. <laughs> he's like, I literally like thoroughly pissed because he's like, I wrote about men in black, which is one of the things that we've talked up in the past. Like, and just all these random topics. And no matter what, as long as I was on board with them, as it being a mystery, they're with it. But as soon as I actually solved one, they're like, you know, Pound sand, get the fuck out of here. We're not the Philadelphia here. experiment. Yeah, the Philadelphia nothing. Yep. So and then, so they reach out to the literally the captain of the Eldridge, and he's like, not only was Eldridge not there, as stated in every fucking, you know, piece of naval history, like we never even went to Philadelphia ever. Why I was captain? He was captain for like. 43 to 45 during the entire time this could have been an incident all the people that were on board nothing they they have yearly or i don't know if it's yearly anymore but reunions they used to have and all the guys are like yeah no, they, they had a, they had a no. they had a big one in 1999 and there were so many sailors there that were like what the fuck is this this yeah. is not true so uh, another interesting thing there are multiple layers to this story. So there are people that sort of refute it, people that outright refute it, and people that believe in it. They're, they're, but the people that are in the middle, they, they try to explain some of it away, but, ex, but also say that some of it happened. So that, um, we, we know from evidence, we know, for, well, from the evidence that we've been provided that the ship was never in Philadelphia, period. The Philadelphia Naval Yard at all. And yet, as you research this thing, you find people that say, yeah, well, no, no, no. Here's how that thing started. It was in the Naval Yard, and uh, it, and then it, it took a trip to Virginia, and then it took a trip back. It, it didn't travel. It didn't. Of course, it didn't like, you know, time travel there or, or anything silly like that. No, it took an actual uh, route there. And then and no, then. But no, no, it didn't. And <laughs> then de de debunkers were like, well, well, you could never get there that quickly because what they'll say is if you weren't paying attention, it was there on that day in October. It quickly left, went up to Norfolk, came back. If you know, and then somebody noticed it in Norfolk, and then somebody saw it back, and you know, and that's how you that's how you put it together a conspiracy, and and then you say, well, well, hold on, that that's a uh, I, I don't remember exactly six or not, maybe nine hour um, uh, ship ride. Uh, how 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 is that possible? And the and they're like, oh well, uh, it's real simple. Uh, there's a canal that allows that the, only the Navy could use. That allows them to get there and back in three hours. But no. But no. No, it didn't. Because it was never fucking there. And then they'll tell you, well, it was, but they changed the ship's log, and that's easy to change. And then, oh, well, it was, but they're using a skeleton crew. None of these people know. 
Well, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Exactly. Like you can make up something for every fucking reason, but you got to realize they're making up. This is how this story started. A guy wrote a book, a crazy man read it and went, I'm going to write crazy shit in the margins of this book, wrote about a fake Philadelphia experiment. Everything was wrong, but he was a sailor at one point in time. So he had little details that made sense. He wrote to this Jessup guy. The Jessup guy said, well, that's weird and tucked it under his fucking, you know, his tail. Then the guy sends the set. Wait, book. he had a tail? Yes, he did. He was, he was a <laughs> Then he sends it to the Navy. The Navy goes, well, that's weird. They contact the guy from the book. Boom. Conspiracy theory starts. Then Jessup gets in a bad wreck and, and, and is depressed and his wife leaves him and everything's going to fucking pot. Kills himself. Conspiracy theory. And it just all feeds into it. Every stitch of this is fake. I I would love, and I'm not even saying that the U.S. government hasn't done shit like this. It wasn't here with this Philadelphia experiment in the Eldridge. Don't you feel like Jessup, right before he offed himself, said, "You know what? Fuck you guys." I I, I, I like to think I, he said, I, "Fuck you, Carlos." I can't get I can't get any traction with this. I can't make any money off <laughs> this. But I am going to have everybody guessing about it. And so he call, right. calls a random friend and says, hey, I've got a breakthrough. Right. Yeah. It's and, like, uh-oh. Right before he offs himself. If you're going to go, go out big. Right? Go in style. Yep. I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I completely agree. I I really think that Carl uh, Carlos Sayindai, or if I'm mispronouncing, I can't be mispronouncing it because he made it up. <laughs> um, uh, Carl Allen. See, I think he obviously made the whole thing up. Uh, I, I honestly, I think the guy was autistic, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that lightly. I, no, I, absolutely, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you read the liner notes, he's obviously somewhat not. I'm not gonna say brilliant, but very smart. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, plays off of what Jessup says in that book really well. Yeah, they talked to his family members and he said like he always like he wanted to be a writer but couldn't, but he could flourish off of other people's writing and he loved to do that and that's exactly what he did here. I think he was I think he was a somewhat brilliant guy mm-hmm. that that was also somewhat troubled. Also, he was the sit-up champion of 1951. Don't know if you know that or not. And had amazing abs. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's how the whole thing got started. And we, as a as a conspiracy loving nation, went after it. Yep. And and, and now and, there's been multiple movies and and, and I, books and and as I said before, I, it becomes even more believable because you're not talking about um, a ghost appearing out of nowhere, a, a little green man popping. Well, well, we are talking about a ship appearing out of nowhere and disappearing, but for some reason, uh, it seems plausible because you say, well, Einstein and the government. That's what I'm going to use from now on. on like, Einstein and the government. How yeah. the fuck did you forget about the podcast? Stein? I've been here for nine hours. Well, John, Einstein and the government. And and listeners, I, 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 I understand you. that there can be a UFO tie-in with Montauk. I get that. We're not even going to talk about that tonight, but we understand it. We're just not interested in it. Yeah, not exactly the same thing, but uh, yeah, case for another day. 
So thus concludes the story of the Philadelphia Experiment. Unfortunately, it was not. Yo, a cheesesteak. Now this is the real deal. I really wish it had been. Uh, if you guys want though, John and I will go out and get cheesesteaks and we'll record ourselves eating them, and you can just listen to it. But, Let us know. Let us know. Maybe we'll, we actually maybe need to take a trip material. to Philadelphia to do it. I, I'm <laughs> not going to put up with this local Chicago bullshit. The, we have Italian beefs here, and they're great. Mm-hmm. But we need an actual Philly cheesesteak to try. So that's the Philadelphia Experiment, in our humble opinion. The Philadelphia Experiment. Let us know what you think, what we did wrong, what we did right, what we should have touched on, what we didn't touch on. Uh, maybe we skipped a smoking gun or, or something like that. Let us know. You can let us know by hopping on our Twitter at Hysteria51Pod or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hysteria51Pod. Give us messages, give us shout outs, let us know topics for the future, things like that. And don't forget, we also now have our own website, Hysteria51.com. How exciting. Which is where you can find this episode, past episodes, uh, little bios, links, things like that. And at the very top, a link to our Patreon page. John. What's a Patreon page? A Patreon page is a wonderful place that you can support the show. Uh, you can donate a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, and on, and get uh, rewards in in return. Uh, anything from a simple shout out on the show and a sticker, all the way up to being a co host. T shirts, uh, nude pictures of John, if you ask nicely. I mean, I, whatever you want, till your heart's content. I mean, I might pay you to take those, but either way. <laughs> And because of that new Patreon page, we have our first shout out. I'm excited. I'm actually really excited. That is not a joke. UFO Bros TV. Catch them on Twitter at UFO Bros TV and on Facebook.com slash UFO Bros TV. They were our first ever Patreon supporter, and we cannot thank you enough. Go check them out. It's people like that 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 allow us to do this because it's it's something that we absolutely love and it does cost a lot of money to to run a podcast believe it or not when everyone someone says hey that's free it's going to cost you a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> that it will. uh yeah seriously thank you to ufo bros tv and and thank you to all of you even if you can't uh uh donate on on patreon we seriously appreciate you taking the time to listen hey uh, hey we're gonna slow it down for a second Thanks. You. Hey, you. Thank you. Hey, you. You're, <laughs> you're, you're doing a good job. Hey, Jill. We appreciate you, Jill. Hey, Brian. Brian. Yeah, you. But there's a Josh out there. We like you, Josh. Alex, we hear you <laughs> loud and clear. Uh, that concludes the creepy portion of our wrap up. <laughs> Back to you, John. Seriously. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have the second and even if you don't want to contribute on Patreon, that's okay. But if you could head over to iTunes, give us a rate, give us a review. Five stars would be nice, but we'll take anything and a review. Just a a few kind words would be so helpful. You guys don't know how helpful that is in spreading the word about hysteria nation. So thank you for listening. I've been John. I have been Brent and he's been conspiracy, Bot. stay woke meat sacks. We'll see you next time on Hysteria 51. The Philadelphia Experiment. Thanks for listening to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. 
We'll be back again next week with more known unknowns. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, suggest a guest, or simply seek some truth, we'd love to hear from you. You can email the show at hysteria51podcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter at hysteria51pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.